Back Street, back again. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> Everyone. Is that it? <laughs> Backstreet back again. What well, is that? Because it's not Backstreet Boys. It's something else, isn't it? I think that I think it is back. I, I thought it was Backstreet. I wasn't Boys. cool enough to listen to them back in the day. Because the Backstreet I mean, Back is like Backstreet Back. All right. Whoa. So what's the so what's the like that? <laughs> it's like the rap part. Is it? In their rap. I think there is a rap. What's part. the first line of that song? Goodness. It's I don't know. Childhood. I don't know. I don't know. But if you it's ask me Backstreet about Boys, a new kid sixth song, row, man. Did you really? Oh yeah, sixth row. How old were you? In third grade. It's oh, phenomenal. <laughs> with my cousins, you never heard this story? No. Oh, no. I went and my mom sent me with $50 and she's like, this is like your money, get whatever you want. And so I'm like, man, I'm thinking really hard about like, what am I going to buy at this concert? Mm-hmm. And so I bought this $50, um, it was 50, 49, like 99, 50 bucks even. Yeah. Um, jean, like jean style bucket cap. That said oh, Millennium no. on the front. <laughs> and I never wore it a day in my life. <laughs> it went straight to the sisters like dress up like oh, bin man. in the house. But I thought it was the coolest thing when I saw it. $50 jean print bucket cap. You can Google it. The high school students did recently when I told them about it. <laughs> it's a, it's, it is still, it is a thing you can find on the internet. The Millennium Bucket Cap. I actually, wow. for, in high school, I had the haircut. One of the, one of yeah, the Backstreet Boys. It was yeah, great. I, that's the shaved on the sides, uh-huh. long hair on top. It was bleach blonde, parted yeah. down the middle. Yep. The whole thing. Yeah. I had that going on. Dude. Was Howie in the Backstreet Boys or was he in NSYNC? Howie's Howie. a Backstreet Boy. Okay, I have no yeah. totally met him. Met him. Oh, you met really? Howie? Yeah. Okay. It was back when I was a uh, Indy 500 Festival princess. Wow. <laughs> Were you really? Yep. Got wow. to meet him, and um, he was he was very nice. Nice. That's I didn't awesome. know anything about it. you know I would I, my band of choice was New Kids on the Block. So mm, yeah. yeah. Well. There you go. So Changing all of our generations. Right? I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If that dates me, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Well, hey, uh, welcome to the Sunday recap. Here we are. Boy band uh, edition. That's right. <laughs> um, so glad you joined us today. Hey, we're going to be talking about Romans 15 today, our last uh, session of Praying with Paul. But uh, before we do, I want to tell you just a little bit about what's coming up in our preaching series in the next few weeks. So um, first of all, this week is Pastor Keith. Uh, Pastor Keith is going to be up talking about actually the armor of God, which is something um, I'm actually excited to get back into that passage. I feel like it's been a while since we've talked about. Man, we have really passage. been hitting on Ephesians in multiple areas. Yeah, yeah, right. Ephesians six. So I love that. It'll be. I, I, I'm excited about that. I think that'll be really good. Mm-hmm. Um, the week after that, we're having a guy come out, guest speaker. His name is Nicholas Petrowski, um, Ariel, who is. Nicholas Piotrowski. Um, Dr. Piotrowski. <laughs> oh, yes. To so, me. Sorry. But, um, Dr. Piotrowski. Yes, I'm sure he's going to love that. Yes, we have, bro- we have Brother Groves and then Dr. <laughs> Dr. Piotrowski the following yeah. week. Yeah. Um, no, but seriously, Dr. Piotrowski is a really, really cool guy. Um, uh, he is the president of Indianapolis Theological Seminary, where I'm a student um, in their MDiv program. And um, man, he just has a love for the scriptures, especially. Um, you know, pointing to Christ in all of Scripture, um, particularly loves the New Testament. I'm just excited to see what he's going to speak to our, our church body on. Yeah. Yeah. Really yeah. Cool that's to coming up here. in two weeks. So we're excited about that. So that's what's coming up in the next couple of weeks on the sermon calendar. So be prepared for that. Be there or be in a boy band.
Well, let's go ahead and jump into Romans 15, uh, this last session of praying with Paul. This was a really interesting passage that Scott picked when it really comes to talking about um, Paul and and prayer, because this is not it, one. It's it, it's not a uh, an actual prayer that Paul prays. It's not a prayer that he's describing that he's praying. Mm-hmm. It's a prayer that he's asking for. It's it's a completely different uh, spin on this whole thing. So let's go ahead and read the passage, Romans 15. This is verses 22 through 33. This is the reason why I so often have been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I've longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I've enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings. They ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will be in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Nice. Well done. You are ready to do have your own voice on some yeah, Bible okay. somewhere. Okay, but what is it? But what do you guys listen to? What are the What are the apps? I just use the ESV. Yeah, I don't, I don't ever listen to the Bible audibly, other than when I accidentally click it and it plays on my phone. Oh, right. And it's like playing in my pocket, and <laughs> on I didn't the know U it. Version Bible. Yeah. yeah. Like, listen, that's use, the only time I ever do that. The other day, I turned my Bible app on to hear it. And it was speaking really slowly. And I was like, there is a demon in my phone. It was like (laughs) the piece of, I still don't know what happened, but that Well, I know some people use the Dwell Bible app, right? So like that one, it like reads it to you and they have like different. If we were a really cool podcast, they'd sponsor us. I feel like they sponsor like every podcast. Well, we don't really try to get sponsored. (laughs) I'm just saying saying they like feel like they sponsor every podcast. Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, So... We've read now through <laughs> Romans 15. <laughs> yeah, what are we well, reading? Can you start yeah. over? <laughs> like, read it um, again, please. <laughs> let's get a little context around what's happening here. First of all, what we see here in, in verse 22, he says that that he's been hindered from coming to Rome. Um, pr- prior to this, he talks about why. And the reason that he's been hindered is because he has been diligent in preaching the gospel to these unreached people groups. And the gospel's already been brought to Rome. And so he's like, you know, I've been hindered to come there because you guys already know about the gospel and there's all these other people that haven't heard yet. So I've been going to these other places. Mm -hmm. So he's been doing that. Um, There's been this collection. What's this collection about that he's been taking up? Well, it looks like he's, um, he, it says right here, Macedonia and Achaia. Um, So two colonies who are um, obviously blessed financially. Yeah. And so he is able to take some of their offering for the Jewish Christians who Mm -hmm. are apparently really, really strapped right now. Yeah. yeah, so Scott, there, Scott said that they suppose that there's a famine going mm-hmm. on. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. okay. So these are Gentile Christians that are sending money to help the Jewish Christians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is really cool. And I think this is interesting. He, he basically alludes to the fact that they're happy to do it because they've been brought into the spiritual blessing of being part of the family of Christ. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, which is, is a really cool picture, you know? So, so something I thought was really cool in missions a couple years ago 
um, you know, One Mission Society, it's a local missions organization. Right. They've been around for a very long time. I couldn't tell you how long. Mm-hmm. But um, at one point I was talking to somebody who works there and they told me that the church in China had given like a million dollars to a project that was going on in like Brazil. And it was like the full, it was just really cool to see that they had planted these churches in China like 40 years ago. And now the ministry there had grown to the point that it was supporting the ministry around the world. Mm It's a really cool picture of the gospel spreading. That's neat. And and also just the idea of unity that we have with one another, that those dividing lines really come down with the unity that we have in Christ. Yeah. Mm. And we got to talk about that last week. Mm -hmm. You know, just the... That awesomeness of God making one man out of all these different people groups. It's right. really cool. Yeah. yeah. So Paul gives us his travel plans here, and the travel plans are he really wants to be able to go to Spain because he wants— Because who doesn't? <laughs> yeah, the, no, I'm just kidding. The beautiful beaches. Yeah. Barcelona. Watch some soccer. <laughs> of course he wants to go to Spain. I'm kidding. So, Sorry, carry on. <laughs> so he wants to go to Spain, and, and ultimately he wants to go there to preach the gospel. Um, that is a unreached people group that he wants to go— uh, speak to, but he really wants to stop by Rome on the way. And he's uh, ultimately the the letter to the Romans um, is sort of a request for aid to help get him mm-hmm. there. He's trying to get there and, and he wants Rome to help him to get there. Mm-hmm. And so he's um, he's writing like, I'd love to come and be refreshed there and I can, and I can bring this fullness of blessing of Christ uh, to you. But then you get to verse 30 through 33, and this is where he gives a request for prayer. And this is really what the, 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 the sermon on Sunday was all about. And this is his request that, um, in, in Scott laid it out, that there would be three things that he's requesting, to be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, um, to, that, that the, the service would be acceptable to the saints. So in other words, and, and I think Scott uh, pointed this out uh, well, just the idea that the Jews may not want to receive this gift from mm. the Gentiles uh, mm. because of the um, basically the discrimination that was taking place between Jews and Gentiles. And so he's just praying, let it be acceptable to them. Mm-hmm. And then thirdly, that um, he would be able to come to Rome on the way to Spain and be refreshed. And what we, uh, the whole point of Scott's message here is that in this request um, that he has that God says no. Um, and in fact, one of the things that, that happens uh, probably after he writes this letter, is he's he's traveling to Jerusalem to deliver the uh, this gift to them, and uh, in Acts chapter twenty, he he meets with the Ephesian elders on the way back, and he's talking with them, and he's like, I, uh, he says that everything that the Spirit has been doing has been setting him up for this idea that he's going to be arrested once he gets there, mm. and so he he knows he's probably never going to see the Ephesians again, mm. and they all weep together uh, and pray together on his way. I have one any, interesting Yeah, thought. any other thoughts? No, I just think it's to? interesting to think about, you know, if, if we just read this passage in isolation, I really appreciate you bringing up Acts. Um, I wasn't even really not aware of that, wasn't thinking about that moment in Ephesians yeah. or in Ephesus. Um, it's really interesting to think about, We if we just read this in isolation, we have the picture that Paul is trying to discern the Lord's path for his life. 
and he thinks he found it and he's wrong and then he goes and does it and then he dies <laughs> like being wrong mm-hmm. but what you're what you're alluding to is that there's actually a more accurate picture of him continually trying to discern what God's path is along the way yeah. mm-hmm. that he does probably gain more clarity in what God's leading him to mm-hmm. to where one day he maybe thought this was his path <laughs> and this is what he wanted to see accomplished and then it became more clear to him as he continued to walk with God that's right um, and i think that is just Man, that's huge as someone that, you know, we're always trying to discern what God's path is. Yeah. And we think we have answers and sometimes those answers change, (laughs) you know, and we may be, you know, privy is a weird word to say. We may be privy to that information. We may not. But for in Paul's case, it's not like, you know, we're reading this and then we're like, and then it didn't happen. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it didn't. But along the way, as he continued to discern what God had for him, he gained more and more clarity of what God was leading him into. And I think that's an important point because sometimes I think... And like this whole idea of like maybe God's plan is changing, mm-hmm. but actually what's happening is is we're just gaining more clarity, more clarity around as you around walk with God. On. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's really good. Which is why it's so dangerous to like. I, I think we have a tendency to once we think we get clarity from God, we like stop the practice of prayer. <laughs> you know, right? Or we really need God's guidance. We're seeking Him in prayer, and then we disappear. Yeah, and then we're like, what happened? And yeah. it's like, well, you you may have like quit walking alongside God, yeah, you know, yeah. I don't know, you maybe pulled yourself away from discerning what God has for well, just, you. I don't it know, it's just points interesting. to this idea that, you know, there's a distinction between God as the creator, right, and us yeah. as the creature, and this distinction includes this idea that God knows things that we just aren't going to know, and, yes. and, and we're fallen also, so we, our minds are are going to have a, a fallen nature to it, so we're, we're not going to be able to know things the same way that God knows mm-hmm. things, um, and so... We have to remember that when we yes. come to God in prayer with all these things, because yeah. because uh, ultimately we are dependent on Him, right? Yeah, and I'm not trying to say at any one moment you completely discern God's path, but I can think of clear yeah. moments in my life where I'm trying to prayerfully discern where is God leading, um, even for a ministry or direction, and it's like I get what I think is the fullest answer. And then sometimes I will even go beyond that, you know, in my like application or my decision. Yeah. And then I'm proven wrong down the road. And I'm like, well, God, like you like, and I have to remind myself that like, no, I, every time I'm even approaching God, mm-hmm. um, I am bringing all the mess of me to that situation. And therefore <laughs> I, I am not going to probably interpret it fully. Right. Um, and so it's just, it's a, it's a good reminder to continually walk with him. Yeah. Uh, not to just think like, well, okay, this thing's figured out. Now we'll move on to the next thing. I wanted to back up to what Chris said, because I think that when we are praying, a lot of times the questions we have, or maybe the negativity we're feeling is based on big word, the anthropomorphic language we have seen in the scriptures, where we just end up sort of thinking that God has the same personality traits that we do with a fallen nature. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so maybe he's not responding to me because he wants to make me feel the pressure a little bit longer because he Mm -hmm. enjoys the, you know, just the, I don't know. We just tend to uh, project our fallen nature onto um, the creator, which Mm -hmm. is not which is not who he is. Mm-hmm. And so everything he is is perfectly good. And, um, and that's something that's really difficult to keep in mind as we're, as we're praying yeah. and going through hard things. Yeah. That's why I, th- I think it's good to analyze your language in prayer, not from a state of like judgment or criticism of yourself where you beat yourself up and you don't pray because you don't think you can say the right words, sure. mm-hmm. but just from, I, they reveal things about your heart. Um, you know, I found myself this morning, I was praying through something and I kept saying, you know, God, I, I feel like this. And I was like, well, even in that word, I wanted to start to say, no, God, I'm, I 
as I discern, <laughs> even with the emotions, <laughs> the emotional feeling that's going on in me as I discern this, this is how I think, you know, you're leading me. Mm. Um, and, and, and for me, again, I'm not being total judgmental of everybody that throws out feel like. I'm just saying there was something for me in understanding how I clearly communicate with God. Like it's an ongoing conversation and yeah. trying to be aware of my own language <laughs> and what it says about how I'm communicating to God. I don't know if you guys have ever felt like this, but um, Scott mentioned how oftentimes we will maybe even approach God like a genie. If you remember the Mm -hmm. movie Aladdin, there was Mm -hmm. like a little loophole, you know, in the in the the wishes, and if you say the wrong thing, you might end up with the opposite outcome of what you had wanted to wish for. And so sometimes I've approached God in prayer like that, where I'm like, I want to make sure that I say the right thing. Mm to get the outcome <laughs> that I want. Right. I'm like, Lord, help me to um, to be patient, but don't put me through hard things to give me patience, you know, like, because I know that happens sometimes, you know. <laughs> you um, want to make sure you didn't ask. Yeah, I want to make sure yeah, I, I don't want to ask for the wrong pray for thing. That. <laughs> just making sure you knew that, Lord. Yeah. Um, but, the, it, but it aligns with some of what Scott was saying about praying, um, not only asking God for something, but telling God how you want to receive it. Yes. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I was even reflecting on answered prayers in my life where I'm like, oh yeah, some of them I've actually been more open. It it was just a moment for me where I was like, yeah, I have been more open-ended and seeing God deliver in ways that I didn't expect. And then there's times where he didn't deliver exactly the way I wanted. And I probably totally missed if he answered the prayer, you know? Well, this is the key distinction between how God reveals himself amongst all of the false gods of the world, right? Mm, yeah. So yes. all of the other gods that are hap- that are around, and especially, I mean, even gods of today, you know, if, we, if we're talking about money or we're talking about, you know, mm-hmm. those idols and things like that, um, that ultimately those gods are there to serve humanity at, at the end of the day. It, it, it's like ha- the people's goal is how can I manipulate this god into getting what I want? And if you do the right things, worship the right way, offer mm-hmm. the right sacrifices. It's like then, a symbiotic relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And God actually mocks yeah. uh, in Isaiah. He mocks gods like that because he says those gods are dependent on those people, which is which is. Yeah kind of interesting, but what God is saying is like, look, I'm not going to be like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I am not, we've talked about God being ase, right? Or independent is another way to yeah. put it. God is completely independent. He does not need us. And you know, to play, to, to take that even further, those mm-hmm. gods wouldn't reveal what they needed. And so that's why you see, you know, the, the gods <laughs> of Baal cutting themselves, you know, doing whatever they could right. to try to whatever appease Whatever song them. and dance they think is going to yeah. make God happy. Cause because they didn't know. Yeah. They didn't know. But our God has revealed himself. And, uh, and that's a really special treat for us that I think we take for granted sometimes. Yeah. Let me ask you guys this. One of the things that Scott talked about with in his message here is this idea that Paul, Paul uses the word strive, mm-hmm. to strive together with me in your prayers, and how this, this word strive is like a fight. It's like a battle. It's like going to war. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did look up the word, and that's, that's exactly what it means. That's, <laughs> that, that is what the Greek is saying here. Why does it that sometimes prayer can be categorized like that? And, 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 and who are we fighting against? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's active to answer your first question. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's he, he, you know, struggle was, was kind of the picture he gave. Um, but I don't think it's, it's, I, I don't think we need to think about it in the sense that like, if you commit to prayer, you're committing to deep struggle. Yeah. I think you're committing to union with God and yeah. discernment. And, but I think it's struggle in the sense that like, it does take something of you. It mm-hmm. takes time. Mm-hmm. It takes commitment. It takes consistency. 
Yeah, you like know, prayer is like not a, a one, it's not a one time thing. Um, and so I think it's like, will you commit to doing this with me? It's as if you approached me and you said, Mitch, would you commit to doing whole 30 with me? Mm. And I go, man, that's going to be a struggle. You know, <laughs> like that would be like, that would be the picture that I think is better fitting mm -hmm. than to think of it so much that like prayer in itself is equated 100% to it's always a struggle. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, committing yourself mm -hmm. to a life of anything, any sort of discipline takes work mm -hmm. um, and can be defined as moments of struggle. But at the end of the day, you see how it begins to form you. You see how it begins to define you. And so Paul's saying like, I'm walking actively in this. Would you be willing to walk alongside me mm -hmm. as we go down this path? Um, which I think is, it's interesting because it's something that we in to bring it to our context, we're kind of asking our church to do that a little bit in the series with some of the things we've started mm -hmm. is like, Hey, we're going to try to make these prayer gatherings a rhythm of what we do. Will you commit to striving with us in this? Right. Well, you know, and you look at, you know, the women on, on Sunday morning, like, man, will you commit to sticking around the third Sunday of every month and walking with us in prayer? Yeah. Um, and you start to think through, okay, what is it? What is it? Any commitment we do, means we're giving something else up. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's that's the picture that I have when mm -hmm. I think of walking alongside him in that. Yeah. Not struggle in the sense of like you're literally just committing to constant pain. Right, right, right. <laughs> but yeah. you're committing to deep union with God. But to do that, it, it means you're going to have to lay down some things. Yeah. Well, we talked about manipulating God or what we think maybe we're doing. If we're doing it the wrong way, we think we're just wrestling God. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to remove that picture yeah. is that we're not, we're not going to war with God. Um, and I think that the, <laughs> trying uh, to twist his arm into something. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And you know, you've heard the story of Jacob wrestling with, um, the man on his way back to, um, to his homeland and, um, and, and finally gets what he wants and he's wrestling with the Lord. Right. And so you've heard that maybe applied to us that, you know, when you want something bad enough, you just fervently mm -hmm. go after it with God until uh -huh. he submits to what you want. Yeah. And that's just not, that's not what that is. Right. Um, and in that story in particular, you see um, God willingly, you know, submitting uh, and possibly even foreshadowing what Christ is doing um, for mm -hmm. a purpose, for his purpose. Mm -hmm. And so um, I just wanted to remove that from yeah. the table so that we don't think that we're, you know, coming to God with this plan of um, shaping him into our will. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, when we do discuss this idea of prayer as being a, a striving, a battle, a fight, I mean, the first thing we're kind of fighting against is our own flesh yeah. in some ways. Yeah. I mean, we resist mm -hmm. those sorts of disciplines. Yeah. And I mean, I, th I think we all feel that at, at one point mm -hmm. or another where it's like, man, I just, I don't want to get up that extra 15 minutes, half hour today to pray. Or, um, or we know what God's will is and we're resisting that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. And yeah. there's and there's a struggle that goes on there within our own heart. Yeah. But as we as we go to our knees in prayer, that actually it it begins to change us, right? It yeah. it, it transforms us in that um, uh, as we do that. Um, but then the other the other battle that's going on is is actually that there's Paul actually views prayer as a very tangible help. Uh, I think mm -hmm. I think we've brought this up before, but this idea that it's a very tangible help for real people. Second um, Corinthians chapter one, he talks about it this way. He's talking about like this is starting in verse eight. He talks about all these different things that are going on, where it's like we experienced all this this struggle that in our missionary journeys. He says we despaired for life itself. Um, 
and and we just relied on God through all of it. It made us rely on God, but he delivered us. He brought us out of that. And then verse 11, he says, you also must help us by prayer, is what he says. Help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on all our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. And so Paul's view is that this striving is a real tangible help for for believers. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I love Second Corinthians, huge book for me this past year. But I, I love just the picture of um, even you know Paul earlier before that talks about God comforting us for the purpose of comforting others, meaning yeah. that prayer aligns us with God's plan, but it also um, it kind of it, it reminds us what God is doing, um, and there's real fruit in kind of attaching ourselves to God in that way. Right. Um, it's kind of the tangible um, reminder that we audibly, um, or even if you're not <laughs> speaking it, but you're you're walking with God um, in his mission for the earth. And it mm-hmm. reminds you of the purpose of that, the purpose of your struggling, the purpose of what you find yourself in is much broader than maybe even what you intended to bring to God in prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so I think, again, it's, it's all about kind of broadening our perspective in what is God doing. So Chris, the question that I think everybody's asking is if we're trying to align ourselves with God's plan and we're not changing God's mind as much, why, why, why would we go to pray then? Right. Why pray? Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting question because so like one of the, one of the things that we say about God is that God is immutable, right? And immutability is this idea that God does not change. And so we can think about that one in his in his character, like in his mm-hmm. in who he is as his person. But we also can think about that in the things that he does. Like, um, let, let's just even say his his very will um, that it does not change. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a really hard concept, I think, to get our minds around. But again, it kind of goes back to this dependence idea that that we mentioned earlier. If God um, does change his will, that means that his will is dependent on humanity for for accomplishing it. And that's actually a, a view that's called, um, it's, it's called open theism. It's a, it's a view that, um, I mean, we would not subscribe to here at Stones, <laughs> uh, but it's a view that, that, that says that we can actually, that God actually does not know the future, that we can change his mind, change his will and, and direct, uh, what he is accomplishing mm-hmm. in, in the world. And, um, and I don't, I just don't think that's what we see in scripture. I um, think we need a God who's bigger than that for sure. Yeah. I mean, if you think about just our last year of pandemic, if he's on this ride with us, just waiting to see what the outcome is, we have no hope. Oh, right. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, so the idea here would be, you know, then if God is immutable and his will is, is fixed in a sense, Mm -hmm. then why do we pray? Like what is, what is the actual, um, purpose of prayer? Why does Paul call it a, a help for, for us? What I think is that. This is a it, this is God's grace to us that He is changing us into the image of His Son, and He's promised that He um, began a good work in us, and that He'll see it to completion. And so, what he, I think this is is a is a bit of our sanctification. But the mm-hmm. good news about it is is that um, you know when when we participate in prayer, it's like we're putting ourselves in the path of God's grace and just allowing it to wash over us, mm-hmm. um, and and. 
and he gives us the power to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I can find myself, especially even on Sunday, I was thinking, oh man, I need to do this. I need to, you know, and I, and I started to become quite the burden to think I got to go to battle. I got to do this. I got to like really fervently get this going. Um, When he provides the grace and the spirit of God himself to to help me pray. And you know, the scripture even says that um, he interprets our groanings. Like mm-hmm. we can even just sit here and say, ah, like, <laughs> yeah. Lord, help me, yeah. you know, and, uh, and he interprets all of that. He knows, and he gives us the power to come to him, to, um, to watch him and expect that he's going to change us into his son's image. Absolutely. Yeah. I think another thing too is I, I look at James where James says that the power of a righteous person is effective, right? Mm-hmm. And, and 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 again, when Paul says that that prayer is a real help for for them, yeah. I, I think that there's a there's a mystery here about how this is all working together, that 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 our prayers actually do have effect. Um mm-hmm. But God's will does not change either. And so some this is just one of the I'm like, I'm like, I don't understand how this works together. And so I just think that this is this is this thing where it's like, yeah, we're we're called to pray. It does affect things. It does, it does um bring about the will of God in some way. Um, and yet we're not changing the will of God either. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and and somehow God uses all of that for his glory. Um but I just think it's just one. It's another mystery that the scripture does not speak to. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I'm just thinking concretely. You know, we're we're instructed to pray. We're encouraged to pray. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus gives examples of how to pray, and like like you're saying, I think we we pray um, because it does align us with God's will. Yeah. Um, and and so the, the the question in my mind, you know, that I'm kind of wrestling through is what leads us not to pray then? It's like, that's not enough for us. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's something in us that says, no, that's not enough. That's not worth it. I want exactly what I want. Yeah. You know, and having to submit ourselves, <laughs> you know, to recognize that God is God and we are not. Mm-hmm. And so we are trying to, the best we can do in this ministry is to submit ourselves to his plan and his path yeah. and trust him in that um, and lay down you know, our pride and our desires. And, um, and then when we do that, we experience, you know, as, as Paul is praying for, for them, he's like, I pray you experience the fullness of God, (laughs) you know, and that I experience that as I'm walking along this journey with you. Um, because the fullness of God in that relationship with him, um, far surpasses any small thing that we may be praying for or any law or any large thing. That's, Mm -hmm. that is the end, you know, kind of union with God is, is the end. It's not just the means to the end. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you guys have probably heard this uh, explained this way too, but when you think of, um, uh, I, I can't even remember where in the New Testament it talks about um, God as a loving father and and uh, and who of us would give our child a, a snake when they ask for a fish, you know, right. um, that sometimes we're actually asking for things that are snake-like, you know, <laughs> rather than yeah. what the Lord knows is not good for us. We and, ask for all the money yeah. or something like that. And God's like, yeah, if I gave that to you. It would bite you. They, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So one of the the last things that Scott got into is this idea that when God says no, when God gives you a no, that that will be the greatest test in your faith. That's a a quote from his his sermon. Why would Scott say this? Why Why would a no from God be one of the greatest tests in your faith? 
I mean, it, it's it, it it really tests your commitment to God for who He is versus the things that He gives you. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to like, I, I mean, again, I think that's what we're always up against. I I mean, even a lot of my desires are things that um, I would think are somewhat. Um, could be holy good desires, but they may not necessarily be God's plan, um, God's path forward. And so I have to submit those things to him because God knows what's holy and good better than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, even, <laughs> you know, and I think even at that level, um, what I can think are my best intentions uh, may not be because of, um, again, as I said earlier, all the filth I bring, <laughs> you yeah. know. And so I think I think it's a test in the sense that, like, you are submitting to God um, over even what you think is your best discernible wisdom on what is your path forward. Right. Um, and you're and you're choosing to say you're choosing God over your desire. Yeah. I don't mean to be like the over optimist, but I almost <laughs> want to say that when God is saying no, he's saying yes in Christ in another way. You know, like usually the no to us is uh, is not a, a concrete hard end stop that there's an open ended to it. You know, someone we're praying for who is ill passes on. It's not a no, you didn't get what you want. Like this person is perhaps now in the arms of Christ in heaven and they, you know, right. there's just a different outcome that is, like we said, better than what we're praying for. Yeah. Um, and so I try to, would, I hope that I, I would see those no's as actual yeses and amen in Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And guys, I mean, really, he's asking us then at that point, can you trust me? Even yeah. though you don't have it the way that you wanted it, can mm-hmm. you still trust me yeah. in the midst of it all? What's interesting too is Scott pointed out that sometimes, um, and actually he, he says that what will happen is, is when we're given that no, that he will also give us the grace to be able to handle or even navigate those difficult circumstances. Um, the, 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 the thing that I've, I found really interesting about this is this is somewhat promised to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verse 13, where he says, uh, so like... Paul's getting a lot of playtime. He is, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, first... He always does if yeah, we're talking yeah. about anything in the New yeah. Testament, to be <laughs> honest. But, yeah. but it's more obvious, I think, in this series yeah. for See, sure. See, this is why God locked him up, so it's we could have all this here. It's called praying with Paul, right? <laughs> yeah. But... Um, Verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 10, so he says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And I think sometimes, uh, this was really good. I got to give a shout out to Logan Reese for this one, because mm-hmm. uh, he he's, he's spoke on this a couple weeks ago at, at Fight Club at the men's ministry. And what he said was... Um, you know, sometimes we interpret this as meaning, oh, God's never going to tempt us so that we, in our own strength and our own ability, are going to mm-hmm. be able to overcome those temptations. And so he was, uh, you know, like like for us, we could we could start to just rely on our own ability to fight through those temptations, but then we're going to fail, right? We're, we're always going to fail with, with those things. What, what he's saying is, is that God is going to give us the grace to be able to, uh, through this way of escape that he's talking about, the grace to be able to... Uh, to overcome those temptations. Mm-hmm. And so what it does is the temptation then reveals our dependency on, on Christ, and then we should then call out to him and and, um, and 
grow in our reliance on him through that. And how, and I love that Scott brought up um, the whole thing about Paul and the thorn in his flesh. Mm, yeah. Right. It's good. That Paul asked for that to be removed and it was not removed. And ultimately God said, my grace is sufficient for you. Mm-hmm. Let's ask more of a practical question in this. When those sorts of things happen, how do we help people then to deal with that and to be comforted in the middle of struggles like that? Well, I think it's it's tough because if somebody's um, – you can't – I'm not passing judgment on someone that's going through something really difficult and they're trying and they're really wrestling with God's plan. Um, I don't want to pass judgment on them. Okay. But I do, I do think um, that sometimes – um, in our flesh is really hard to um, really, it's hard to sit and desire union with God over everything else. And so um, I, I, I mean, even someone who's grieving um, or someone who's frustrated or disappointed, mm-hmm. um, that that is often a reflection of how they are handling something in the flesh over themselves. Um, and, so it's like the answer is seek God, mm-hmm. uh, seek union with God um, in your pains, in your hurt, in your struggles, in your frustrations. Mm-hmm. Um, spend time in his word. Surround yourself with things that are of God and um, other vices and things that you may know you're tempted um, to struggle in. Um, avoid those things. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you're someone that, you know, you, 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 you may like be drawn to over drink. It's like in a season of grief, stay away from those things. Mm-hmm. Surround yourself with, with, um, good community, spend time in God's word. Yeah. Um, and prayerfully, you know, discern what does God have for you? I think what's hard is in those moments when we're operating out of frustration or grief, um, sometimes that's the last thing to do. We last thing we want to do. But that, that, that response is out of, um, it's out of the flesh, <laughs> yeah. you know? And, and the other thing is we need to have a bigger view. So, so saying that, so what now, what does it look like when you do turn to God? We need to have a bigger view of what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, thinking through like the passages of lament or, you know, thinking through like the imprecatory Psalms, looking, looking at parts of the Bible where people are literally crying out to God saying, God, I cannot stand what I see in front of me. Sure. I am so mad at what you did. <laughs> right. But God, I'm going to trust you. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I think it's not, I'm not saying it's not about being open with God, but when we don't want to turn to God, um, that is a response that tip that is out of, out of our, our flesh, mm. you know? And so reminding ourselves that, um, man, like seek union with God. Um, don't run away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, it's really good to just be honest. Yeah. Like the very first response is it's okay to grieve and mm-hmm. realize this isn't maybe the way that it's supposed to be, especially if we're dealing with death or something like that. Right. Um, is to just acknowledge that that is true. That is not yeah. the that is not the intended outcome of the story. In fact, it's not the outcome of the story. Mm-hmm. But I love your response to finally just turn yeah. um, to the Lord and know that He is still good, and just to trust Him in that. 
And that is, that is what we need. Um, that is, that is ultimately, um, it's, it's what our spirit wants. Um, again, I've even walking with some friends through some stuff right now and, you know, I, I they've made, they'll, they'll make some decisions in some times of despair. And I'll, I mean, you just, if you just say like, Hey, that's, you know, that's not what you want, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, that's not fulfilling. Yeah. Like, sure. It helped today. It helped tonight. It might help tomorrow, but there's an end to this yeah. um, where there is no end to God's grace. Yeah. There is no end to God's love. There is no end um, to you walking with him <laughs> for all of eternity. And right. that is where fulfillment lies. This thing has an end in itself, yeah. um, and you don't want to seek that. Totally. And so I think that's that's the encouragement. Um, it's it's hard, mm-hmm. um, but I think that's why it's good to you know faithfully be grounded in the word, for prayer to be a discipline in our life, and to operate in... Um, deep Christian community with people that do want to point you towards Christ. Do you think that we can help people to look for maybe the things that God is doing? So in other words, in, in this situation, what we're seeing is God is saying no to a particular request, but that we know that there's something better, right? Mm-hmm. Because he is a good father to us and we know that there's something better. Um, or maybe he's answering, like you said, differently, uh, the, a yes in Christ that we don't quite see yet. Would, would it be helpful to counsel people towards looking for what that better thing might be? Um, or is that something that maybe does not always, is not always apparent and then maybe disappointing? I think it's in how, um, how concretely what you say when you mean like when one door closes and another one opens, right? Right. You know, what, what is, what is the heart really behind that message? So I would say a better, a better maybe way to frame it is that, um, the gospel message of Jesus Christ speaks into our deepest pains, our deepest sorrows Mm -hmm. speaks into what's happening in the world in the macro sense. Um, that there's always a picture of what God is doing. That is, um, that eternity surpasses whatever we're facing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think it is good to remind people of those things that we know are con- concretely true. Yeah. Um, that, that the Bible has proclaimed, um, that scripture says and how it speaks into our circumstance because it's there. I think it's dangerous when you start to, um, provide answers and clarity beyond that because you are not God. Yeah. So, you know, if something happens. And, you know, sadly, I see this a lot, you know, um, being in church for, you know, a decade now is we want to comfort people. So we want to give them a path, like what could be happening that's earthly. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we just don't even know what we're saying is so wrong. Mm -hmm. And so not what they need to hear, you know, whether it be a child die or something, you know? And so it's the, yes, there are eternal promises that scripture has proclaimed. That's true. Speak the gospel into the situation avoid to try to provide, you know, something, um, that is outside of that. Well, Hey guys, this has been helpful. These last four weeks have been a really interesting, uh, just look at prayer and these different passages that Paul has been talking about his prayers. So thanks for all of your, um, insight that you brought into this. I think it's been, it's been good to discuss all these things. Um, like we talked about next week, we're going to be back with, um, Pastor Keith is on Sunday and he's going to be talking about Ephesians chapter six and the armor of God. So we'll be going to be digging into that next week. And then, uh, we're looking forward to then, uh, Nicholas Piotrowski coming out the week after it. So that'll be, that'll be super fun. So we hope you join us next time on the Sunday recap. We'll see you then.